Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, Autumn Turkel and Christopher Kant return to talk about NFTs. There are a lot of heated conversations happening around NFTs and crypto art right now. There's also a lot of confusion and misrepresentation about the issue on both sides of the debate. We wanted to have this conversation in an effort to try and add a little more clarity to the issue. I'm not sure we totally succeeded, but I feel good about the ground we did cover. The conversation on this episode is a little biased toward the true believer, since Autumn, Christopher, and myself are definitely cheerleaders, while Moose remains agnostic. But we do our best to try and respond to the criticism surrounding crypto art with good faith. We start out discussing an article that has gained a lot of attention on Twitter. This article does in fact raise valid concerns and good points. And there is a link to the article in the show notes, and I strongly suggest giving it a read so that you have a full context for the critiques that we are addressing. One of the biggest critiques leveled against the NFT market and cryptocurrencies more broadly is the environmental impact. So we begin by addressing that concern directly, and we do spend a fair amount of time there, but in retrospect, I wish we had spent more time on that topic. From there, we turn to the accusations that crypto art is creating a new set of gatekeeping devices that will lock out the less privileged, and that conversation seamlessly transitions into a debate surrounding the validity of, quote, originals within this new ecosystem, and how we are to judge the value of these new systems. Interwoven amongst these topics are tangents into a variety of issues, some more philosophical than others, and in the end, I think we did less than an adequate job of succumbing to total fanboy ranting. But I'm okay with that. It is my hope that we can soon revisit this topic with a willing participant who is capable of presenting a level-headed voice of dissent for a productive debate. So if you know someone who fits that description, please send them our way. Until then, here's our conversation. Okay, you guys. Starting soon is off. I have all of your names correct on the screen. Pump your fists. Let's fucking start a shit storm. Throw some lighter fluid on it. Spark up the matches. <laughs> Start waving and fanning. This is going to get crazy. This is absolutely nuts. This is completely flying by the seat of our pants as well. Full disclosure, um, we had one guest scheduled for the day today. Um, they evaporated into thin air. Chris and Autumn were gracious and gallant enough to rise up out of their coffins at a moment's notice and present their faces to the world to discuss the hot new trend. Everybody's talking about it. <laughs> NFTs. Whew, man. We have no scripted questions. We have no pre-written questions. We're just 
gonna fucking start shaking all the change out of our pockets i don't even know if that's an appropriate metaphor but uh i was gonna ask you about that actually it's like where's the where's all the questions and stuff how do how do i prepare for this nope it's like it's seat of the pants friends seat of the pants fully winging a prayer we're doing it live (laughs) so you missed the first half of that sentence there's there's another half in there anyway yeah but it's not relevant, and I don't remember it, so it's not important. With that in mind, let's run through some introductions. You guys have both been guests on the podcast before, um, but for those just joining us fresh, um, give us a little bit of a background. Chris, why don't you start a quick brief background on yourself and your career in art? Okay. Um, I started freelancing 2016, after a very, very short time in freelancing, I realized that's not going to work for me long term. So then I tried moving into various, you know, education, Skillshare, started a blog, streaming, Patreon, all of that sort of junk. And I guess NFTs, crypto art is the most recent, you know, uh, trying to find something, an alternative to freelance, basically. And I've been in it since late December. So not very long. Yeah, good. Great. Autumn, up over to you. Um, been, I got out of school 2006, was freelance for a uh, very short time, took full-time job. Got out of that in 2011. Uh, Freelance for um, five years, roughly, um, as we discussed in our the previous interview. Uh, ended up doing sketching for uh, illust- uh, sorry for advertising, and that turned into sketching and illustration for advertising, and then took a full time job um, with Bond, and currently am full time, and then also doing my own thing on the side, which uh revolves a lot around um investing and cryptocurrency and then the art is obviously um the fun stuff and speaking of uh your time spent uh, your involvement with cryptocurrency you're able to recently pay off your student loans on stream by using a, a bitcoin uh you know, that was, I didn't actually, like, I didn't pay using Bitcoin. That's that's kind of a misspeaking. Mis- I was basically, I took, I on stream, I said that I had sold, um, I think it was just over half of a Bitcoin or something like that to pay off the, the student loans. But in actuality, it was, it was um, a portion of my entire portfolio, which was, I looked at, at, all of these different coins that I had and said, I can sell, you know, this much of each one of these to get this much money and put it towards student loans. And so that's what I did. Um, sold them all off over the course of some days because you can't transfer because of the way the, the regulations work with, uh, American based cryptocurrency exchanges. You can't transfer, um, over a certain amount out of the exchange on any given day. Right. Is that when did you, about that? Sorry, I just wondered, when did you get into crypto? Uh, I 
think my first purchase on crypto was summer of 2017 or maybe even a little earlier than that. I would have to go back and look at my my actual like sales records and that sort of thing. Um, I started, no, I started waving my hand preemptively. I wasn't like, hey, stop talking because I need to, to <laughs> I'm sorry. I totally ruined the timing on on everything. The point is, you guys are obviously biased and a terrible source of information for dispassionate explanation of what the situation is with uh, cryptocurrency and NFTs here. This podcast is going to be nothing more than a smokescreen. Um, I don't, I don't really know where to go from there. Uh, in seriousness, I, in seriousness, I do want to set a little context. Um, because I think the, the three of us, Autumn, Chris, and myself are kind of true believers, um, in the sense that we are biased, um, to the degree that we see the potential, um, for this technology um, and all that it has to offer. So just going into it, I, I, I do want to lay that groundwork um, and just like, prepare all the, anybody listening for the fact that, yeah, you might hear a lot of fanboying, um, but we will try and keep it reined in. And I think that it would be good for us to start with some of like the big objections that we've been hearing since this conversation about NFTs has completely exploded. I feel like we had that episode with Chris a few weeks ago. And like the next week, suddenly NFTs are all over Twitter. Cryptocurrency is like this big topic of conversation in the art community. Um, to start though, I think that it would be worth a description of what NFTs are. Um, and for that, let's take a little bit of a round robin. Let's start with Chris, um, and then Autumn, you go, and then I'll kind of follow up with my understanding. I'm not excluding Moose, but I th Moose is the anchor for us. Moose is the one that's keeping us honest. He's the angel on our shoulder that's going to call the bullshit when it happens, because Moose is definitely the dissenting voice of the four of us. So um, that's a, also a, a part of the context that's that's worth noting. So Chris, why don't you start? Um, give us your spiel on like what NFT is. You mean the literal architecture? Yeah. Yeah. What it stands for, what the architecture is. Okay. Well, well first of all, I'm not, I'm not a crypto blockchain expert or anything. I'm just a digital artist that's found a new market, I guess. But um, so NFT is non-fungible token. Um, fungible. Something that's fungible is is exchangeable equivalent value. So like a dollar is equal to a dollar. Bitcoin is equal to a Bitcoin. Non-fungible means that the tokens don't have the same value and you can't exchange them. So basically, <laughs> man, how do you explain this in layman's terms? These little tokens, you attach to them some sort of digital file in our case probably a jpeg or a gif or a png um and they reside on a blockchain in this case the ethereum blockchain is is the the general use case um and then collectors want to own them that's pretty much how it works collectors want to own them in order to in investment 
speculation. Uh, sometimes they literally do just like the artwork and they, they want to own it. They want to feel that sense of ownership. Sometimes people, they have a bit of spare cash and they like the feeling of buying. It's, it's sort of like a, a donation mechanism, I guess, between a collector and an artist. But I think a lot of it is uh, speculation. They are buying it, thinking that in the future, this will be worth more money. And so this is a good place to, to store some of my net worth, basically. Just like you would if you were investing in a cryptocurrency. NFTs are just a, a, a new investment opportunity for many people. Autumn, you go next. Give us your thoughts on, on what it is. Not to... Not that there was anything like empty or lacking in Chris's explanation, but like I said, it just to kind of go through and just sort of like get as much of a rounded uh, picture as we can. Okay. Um, yeah, non-fungible tokens. Uh, basically, it's a certificate of, of authenticity for anything. So you're looking at it like it can confirm that this is this comes from a certain source. So what what an NFT is really is an artist uh, certifying that an image is an original image or a video is a, an original video. Or, uh, I mean, it can go down right now to uh, a provided um, physical item. So you get uh, Beeple who is actually publishing and putting together prints and boxes and stuff like that and then when people invested in those those original nfts they are then shipped those 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 physical items so if you go on youtube you can see an unboxing of a physical item tied to that nft which is basically just a confirmation that um that you paid for this item be it a digital item be it a song be it a video be it a anything and everything really and that's the power of the blockchain any blockchain not just ethereum is that it has the ability to confirm data sets and so essentially an nft is a confirmation of a data set that data set is tied to an image so when you go out there and you mint a, a an uh a digital artwork or an nft token of any sort and then say what is in that token you're confirming that the the information that you put in there is well and true and that the person that paid for it is getting what they paid for um at, at after that minting happens um so you look at at the different use cases of of blockchain as a whole and there it's there were starting off with using um back in the day the day 2017 2018 they were using it to confirm um different different warehouses uh, of 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 information right so like confirming wine and each each wine has a little a little tag on it and they scan that tag and that was confirmed on the blockchain and then it came further and further along to now it's at the point where we're confirming just data for data and you have nfts so the only thing that i would want to supplement to what you guys have already said um is a, a little bit of a conversation about blockchain itself um because this is one thing that i think throughout the conversation is um vital to keep in mind the distinction between blockchain 
and all of its um, uses beyond its immediate construction. Um, the blockchain itself is simply a sequence of events, basically um, digital uh, in in the in the most common scenario or the most uh, commonly known Bitcoin. It's a ever in it's a mathematical equation with ever increasing complexity. The solution of which results in the reward of a certain amount of Bitcoin. Um, but that event of the mathematical solution resulting in another block being added to the chain is its own thing. The fact that that then results in the reward of a Bitcoin does not make blockchain equal to Bitcoin or just cryptocurrency in general. But anytime we're talking about blockchain, we're talking about one thing. Anytime we're talking about something that the blockchain is able to facilitate, we're talking about something totally different and we're not necessarily talking about blockchain anymore. Blockchain is just that series of events and those types of events can be different. In the case of Bitcoin, it's a mathematical equation that's being solved. Uh, in the case of some other coins, it's actual like contributions that people are making to the system that are noted as a coin. Um, the coin itself is basically just a marker, you know, for, you know, showing what somebody has or hasn't done. Um, so I, I, I kind of keep repeating the same thing, but that's because it's like, it's really worth hammering home that this block, this idea of blockchain is different than like what cryptocurrency is. And it's different than what NFT is. And it's different than what smart contracts are and, and everything else. So with that long-winded um, diatribe, what do you guys think? Let's start with some objections. Um, and I know Moose has brought a big one to the table. It's probably one of the more notable ones. Moose, do you want to break that down? Talking about the uh, it not actually being an original, that part? Uh, I was thinking about environmental impact. That's probably like going to be... Oh, yeah. And just... <laughs> Moose, Moose drops off the face of the earth, right? Right when we need you most, Moose. You okay. don't want to talk about my thing? I'm out. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's like, oh, no, I'm gone. Once he reestablishes connection, see where we lost. Where did we lose you? The environmental thing from that one article? Yeah, just because the I, I feel like the environmental thing is probably going to feel more pressing for more sure. people than the secondary argument of what is or isn't unoriginal sure that's fine uh so when this was blowing up on t uh twitter most every thread that i saw that was discussing it also had included at least one or two if not more uh, links to this uh article as if it was the gospel answer to should artists get involved in crypt in uh, nft in crypto art and it was very like, all the things were like, like one sense of if you haven't already read this, you should read this. It wasn't like them having their own opinion. It was them just parroting this, this article. And the crux of the article was proof of work requires a lot of energy. Requiring a lot of energy is like essentially burning a whole lot of coal. Um, in some cases, for whatever measurement they were saying, it was relative, relative to the output of Argentina. Argentina. Uh, so 
they were saying because there's so much uh, wasted energy involved in cryptocurrency, it is irresponsible for artists to be involved in uh, crypto art. So do we want to start with the laughing person first, Autumn, and then we'll go to Chris this time? Um, yeah, uh, irresponsible, right? I mean, I don't, I don't really, to me, it's, you're talking about an, uh, a, a, a very young technological field, right? You're talking about something that is, that is just in its infancy, both, both uh, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and especially NFT stuff. It's within the past two years has just come to fruition. So these are the types of growing pains that technologies go through. All technologies go through them, right? Um, and all technologies go through them until there's some type of regulation in place that says they can't do this or they can't do that. And you know, so you look at the coal industry and, and they were just pumping out tons of, of, of emissions, right? Until governments got involved and said, hey, you can't do that. So anything, that article felt to me like somebody standing on a street corner shouting out into the world about the evils and not offering any type of solution. So my immediate, my immediate response is to be like, I don't really, one, I don't really believe your facts and figures because you didn't offer any any support to that whatsoever. Uh, and two, you need to give these things time to mature. Um, we're talking about systems that take this, and, and he mentions this, that he's in society and he's working, operating within society. Society is a monolith. It is, it is trying to steer the Titanic around an iceberg, right? And these things are not going to change quickly. It just doesn't happen. Like the, the, uh, the advent of blockchain and the technology itself is moving at warp speed compared to how slowly society adapts, cha <clears throat> adapts changes and, and puts together legislation that controls one aspect or another that can be detrimental. Um, I don't really see if if artists if if us as artists say oh and that's uh that's totally detrimental to society i'm not going to or to to the world at large i'm not going to get involved until it is perfectly aligned with um with society's moral um push towards towards perfect environmentalism and being absolutely green if that happens we all lose out we're we're we don't we're not at the starting line when everybody else takes off and we don't get there until the race is almost over. And he even addresses this. He says the people that get in early, uh, the people that get in early are the ones that benefit the most. Yes, that is absolutely true. So if you don't get in early because you have a, uh, you, you're going to wait for it to be perfect, you're just going to get left behind. It's the bottom line. So, Chris, do you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Well, the thing, I only read it, uh, what was it, an hour ago for the first time. Um, the thing that came to mind for me is I kind of, yeah, it's the environmental toll of blockchain 
it yeah it's very it's it's scary but it also it makes me think uh, autumn's point about the titanic heading towards the iceberg it makes me think if we were to just delete blockchain from existence today would it change humanity's trajectory in the slightest would it really have any impact on our <laughs> on our environmental destruction um and I, i'm not convinced that it would really change much um so i think that's really talking about a much bigger topic in my opinion i think looking at, at blockchain and crypto art as some sort of environmental devil is a little bit naive when there's i mean welcome to modern humanity is how i kind of see it yeah i mean uh we have uh, germany who got rid of shut down all their nuclear plants and then put on a bunch of coal plants to uh and natural gas and all their types of uh, uh natural resource uh, uh, burning fuels plants uh and that's contributing more to global warming than stuff like artists who want to make money off of nfts so to piggyback on that yeah uh he talks about uh, lowering your carbon footprint. So if we're going to get into the type of things with studies and that sort of stuff, there was an actual study done that that looked at, at your you, the individual's carbon footprint and what what that means for you changing the way that you live your life and changing the things that you do, like don't drive the car as much and all this and that. And they found that the real answer is not to change your day-to-day -day existence. It's to go to the... to it's to find the politicians that are going to vote in favor of environmental changes and get them to enact changes that work on a broader scale. Otherwise, you're just doing these little tiny micro changes that are a drop in the bucket with 7 billion people. Yeah, there are uh, people out there who, when they find out how little of a difference they've made by having a 30 second shower compared to you know, their normal 10 minute comfortable shower, they're like, well, why am I suffering? or not being comfortable when it's not make any difference. And it's the people that are, that have the ability to make the difference are the people that are, you know, taking, you know, however many bribes they can get to uh, stay in power and all that stuff. But yeah, it's beyond the scope of this, I guess. So I want to, I want to jump in and, and steel man, um, a response to some of the arguments that you guys have been making um, in terms of, how we should look at the environmental impact. Uh, it's coming up in chat um, a lot already, you know, and it's something that you see a lot in these responses and these Twitter conversations, is that um, if we're already redlining the environment, should we be adding another contributing factor? What is our responsibility as users of this technology to consider whether or not it's worth putting another, even if it is just another drop in the bucket. If we're, if the bucket is already like sloshing around and spilling out, should we be putting this drop into it? Anybody jump in? Well, I think, well, I mean, the morally correct answer is no, but there's also. I mean, this is going to be happening. If it's not blockchain, it's another thing tomorrow and another thing the day after. And I don't, I guess it's quite, it's a pessimistic look at the whole thing, but it's reality in my, is, is just how I'm seeing it. Like, I don't, 
it's a valid argument, but I don't think it changes reality, I guess, is where I sit. Yeah, I think that, that there's we're not going to get around this and and there's there's good people out there working on blockchains that are um 100 green and and putting together uh dApp platforms that will do exactly what ethereum is doing minus the proof of work so getting into proof of stake and and using using holding the coin as confirming the the blockchain itself um something like Card cardano which just recently they either just recently had their Mary fork, which puts them into a place where they can do the exact same thing, NFTs and all that stuff, um, or it's coming up really soon. Um, so if if we're going to talk about a moralistic dialogue of should we be using this technology, I think the answer is yes, we should be using it. And yes, we should be perpetuating it and pushing it forward in a way that gets us to those moral, to the moral high ground, and to using it in a way that is a a net positive. But we should not stop using that technology because if you stop using a technology, it stagnates. You lose that, and there are benefits to this technology that someone. And chat had just mentioned about democratizing the entire thing, democratizing the the funding, the the applications, all of the rewarding people that are doing good things with that coin, right? So there's the answer is no. We don't just stop using something because it's technologically um, destructive to the environment. We find ways to make it non-destructive or even a net positive by taking destructive things out of the equation as it as it evolves and progresses. Yeah, so to add my own two cents um, to the devil's advocate that I was just playing, um, the the issue that I take with, with that argument um, is that one, and Autumn, you just touched on this a little bit, it casts all blockchain usage in the same light and like i said before there's a huge difference between the blockchain and all of its use cases it also casts all cryptocurrency and nft in the same light um and ignores the fact that as you said there are ways to do it in a green or greener way um the conversion of blockchain into an nft or a cryptocurrency does not require proof of work and it is the proof of work scenarios that are leading to these like you know massive environmental pressures because you now have warehouses of computing power that is being overclocked and taxed 24 hours a day um, in order to you know create 50 bitcoin that's that is not no one is going to make the argument that that's sustainable or even how like that, that's even no one's going to argue that that's sustainable or that that is how it should be done. But let's also not throw the baby out with the bathwater and forget that there are ways to utilize the blockchain and even create NFTs and cryptocurrencies that don't require that at all. That has to be part of the conversation also. And if I don't see that coming up in people's argument, I get a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on my back foot already. Um, there's a there's another point that gets brought up in chat and uh, in all of these conversations um, 
that this is inherently elitism in some way. That one's a little bit tougher for me to steel man because I don't quite know um, where that comes from. Uh, do do any of you guys have any impression of of where? And maybe maybe some someone in chat can expand on that a little bit more because it, it's hard for me to understand how people get greed and elitism out of this it might depend if they're talking about crypto art because a lot of the galleries are curated or if they're talking about cryptocurrency and blockchain on the whole because of their either proof of work or proof of stake generally which both require capital but the more capital you have access to the probably the 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 more currency you'll be able to mine or the more you can stake and so the more power you have within that blockchain so it depends what they're talking about i don't have the chat open because it's too distracting autumn or moose you guys have you guys gotten any sense of that or Im impression of where that sensation comes from uh real quick i can say that uh ArtStation recently announced that they're going to be opening up their own uh, gallery for NFTs. And at f the immediate reaction to that was pretty positive. Like, oh, cool, we can actually start making mo our money off of uh, ArtStation instead of just being a, a gallery or a portfolio place, right? And then it quickly came out that they were only going to be, uh, they were going to be curating who had access to actually sell anything on their platform to basically be the people that are already big fish. So at that point, it felt like these people are already getting attention. They already probably have good careers. I'm new knock on wood. Hopefully, you know, we were talking about that before the stream about how even being good at art doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make money. But these people were already known to be the top end talent, and now they're being rewarded even more. So it, it seems like from those who aren't on the inside that it's a rich get rich, richer situation, which makes sound like an elitism type of thing. Yeah, I, it, I can tell you from my experience just within the past um, month of looking into this and and um, publishing an NFT and looking at what's going on in the market. Yeah, it certainly feels like elitism as far as who is pushing the art and this initial kind of push towards uh, getting NFTs out there and this this uh mania for lack of a better term around them um you're looking at these the people and this is i think the argument the people that were in there early that were backing these various different places nifty makers place all that the ones that were in there are the ones benefiting the most so yes it feels like elitism but how is that any different than the people at a gallery down in santa monica that were chosen by one dude who are selling their stuff in the gallery for hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's not any difference. It's a continuation of an art market that has existed forever. So that I, elitism thing as it applies to NFTs and the current state, sure, yeah, it's something akin to what the art market has always done. I wanna jump in on that because I, I, can, I can feel in the world uh, a knee-jerk reaction to any argument that's gonna that that has a uh, similarity to like, well, that's the way that it's always been, or that's just the way that the world is. Um, it, it doesn't delegitimize what you're saying, um, but 
I, I think that there's another aspect to it that's worth mentioning, which is that um, even if even if we acknowledge that it does create an elitism of sorts, let's also remember that it's creating a near infinite pluralism of potential elite markets, which then cancels itself out and negates the so-called elitism of any of the other markets. It's sort of like the way that hot couture fashion is, I mean, it's whatever, it's what it is, but there's still plenty of people shopping at Marshall's or, you know, whatever your, you know, local discount market is. And this is now, I think, allowing for hot couture artwork to be sold in hot couture places as well as places like Marshall's, you know, the like the or the Target equivalent of um, digital online curated galleries. Like we're we're not in this we're uh, the scarcity mindset of like, well, now there's only going to be a limited number of places for me to access and get my art shown and get my art sold. Is that's like, uh, you know, with all due respect. 19th century thinking you know that this isn't this is this is not the industrial revolution this is something completely different it also goes back to what i was saying of like it it dismisses all the other use cases um yeah so i i lost track of what my next question was going to be but i did want to mention too have, um, go ahead go ahead to add about current situation i think at the moment we have a bit of a a speculation investment bubble happening in NFTs where a lot of people are just getting into it to try and make short-term investment monetary gain. So they are, they're trying to bet on artists that they almost, it's, it's a, they know that it's going to increase in value in the short term. So I definitely think there is a bit of a, you know, the, a big name shows up on Nifty Gateway and everyone flocks to buy it expecting to make a bigger return whereas some smaller artist who's brand new they're, they're an unknown they don't even know if they're gonna stick around and make nfts next week um so i definitely do think there is a, a bit of a speculation bubble happening that is creating you know i'm sure that'll i'm pretty confident that'll go away in the long term or, or much like cryptocurrency there'll be bear markets and bull markets Right now we're in a bull market you'll get but... speculation versus versus getting out of the market and that sort of thing so it's, I mean, you look at Bitcoin and, and as it goes up, as people um, become more aware of it, it goes up in value. So different sectors become more aware of it and it goes up in value. And then, then it, it declines as people pull profits. And I think it's going to be the same thing with NFTs. While there, yes, there is most certainly a speculation bubble at this point, you're going to get a normalizing of the behavior surrounding them, I think, at some point. So... I want to follow up with this. Um, there are some artists I know that are experiencing the fear of missing out, you know, FOMO. They think, I need to get on this now, even if the price of uh, entering is um, high with the uh, gas prices, the uh, price to mint the coin, the price to sell the coin. Um, is, is this something that people should consider, you know, taking advantage of now? Or is this something that uh, they should hold off and see if there's a long-term actual viable market for this is it 
if they wait, is are they going to you know, uh, miss the opportunity to be a big name in the industry? I'd say no. That's, that's this thing is this is this is like Gumroad appearing or Patreon appearing out of nowhere. This is just another layer of uh, possible you know monetization for artists. This isn't going to this market's not going to disappear in my opinion. Um, getting on now, if I was if I didn't have any work up any NFTs made yet, I think I would probably mint one or two things. If it's just it's quite expensive, I would look for just opportunities to mint as cheap as I can, just one or two, and then I'd forget about it and get back to my normal life and just see if I made a sale. I think that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I concur with that. There's the the system is going to keep on moving. Um, I, for one, am holding off on minting right now um, because there, I you know, I have a limited number of digital imagery that I've produced, and if I'm going to be producing an original of that and saying this is the original image, um, this is the certificate of the original image, then I want it to be, um, I want it to have eyes on it, and I want it to be have integrity, right? So I, I for one, am waiting for Cardano to to put forth um, a market that I can do that on because I believe in that technology as being something that's green, being something that that is out there for the greater good. And so I'm putting myself behind that for the most part. Um, there will, I am, I've done some, some, some interactions with Rarible because that seems to be a more of an open market. It's not curated, um, but I don't, I don't really see I mean, I can see how people would have that fear of missing out because there's so much going on. Um, but exactly what Chris said, uh, if you if you put something out there, you'll see that uh, getting eyes on it, it's it's the age old problem. You can put something out into the world, but if you don't have the followers, you don't have the people that are supporting you, the the you're just not going to get the sales. Like how many times have we as artists published a sketchbook or published a t-shirt or published anything and and we get us our our core group of fans that pick that stuff up and then it just dies off you know as we get to a certain point boom sales are just nothing so it's the same thing with nfts there's no difference the the difference here is there's a mania surrounding the technology and there are there are a few places that have big voices and those big voices it, it's essentially like going on national television uh, as an artist um, back in the day, going on Conan and and getting national exposure. Yes, you would sell out all, of all your sketchbooks and prints and stuff that you had produced. Um, no difference at this point. So as a quick follow-up to that, um, the other issue that people had been having, artists were having were if it wasn't fear of missing out that was getting to them, it was they wanted to take advantage of this. They wanted to, you know, make a million dollars or whatever it was. They felt they were of that skill set that they could do that, or they had the audience that they could do that. Um, but because of the environmental impacts, they were afraid they were either going to be, you know, I'm just going to say canceled, but uh, more generally, you know, shamed online about uh, taking part in the system. But Autumn, you mentioned there's a, a more green system on the on the uh, horizon how, how far away do you have any idea of how far away that is 
Um, all I know is uh, the Cardano Foundation has m much more information on that. If you're interested, I would say check that out. But I do know that they have a, uh, a merry hard fork that, like I said earlier, was either had either just happened or is happening, and that's going to allow dApps and that's going to allow NFTs and that sort of thing to happen. Um, they're they are created by Charles Hoskins, who was one of the original founders of Ethereum and who left the project because of a lot of the reasons that we're talking about and because of it was not sustainable it wasn't green there was a lot of things that he wanted to do that were a more that were more geared towards a positive impact in the world around him banking the unbankable all these sorts of things so it's basically cardano is the competitor to ethereum and it is doing all of the things that ethereum's doing but it's going to be doing them better and more green. And they're, all of everything that they do is run through different um, cryptographic professionals and, and um, uh, professors. And they, they basically, it's all vetted before they go live with anything rather than putting anything out there just to get it out there as soon as possible. So it's, a, it's, a, it's fundamentally a better technology. And that's the reason that I'm waiting to do it on that platform yeah i think the thing to keep in mind when you know asking a question like well when do the green alternatives show up um is that they already exist in the sense that proof of work is not the only way to establish um you know the token or the cryptocurrency or the smart contract or whatever it is that you're trying to do so like that so that technology is already in place i think the reason that ethereum gets so much press is because it is the most widespread and to date it's it has the most um it has the most branching offshoots people there's lots of coins that people use that they don't call ethereum but they're used on the ethereum network um so they're basically uh, peripherals to the ethereum network and so a lot of this all gets traced back to ethereum and what the ethereum is doing but there's there are lots of alternatives that are already in place that have already been created that don't rely so much on the proof of work um aspect go ahead what the uh alternative you're talking about is proof of stake and my understanding was while they had uh, created an initial version of proof of stake they weren't able to uh make they weren't either able to put it into use or it was suboptimal for some reason. And so they've been working on proof of stake 2.0 and that hasn't come out yet. So I don't know what Ethereum is currently doing. I don't know if it's proof of work or some other version of proof of stake that's suboptimal. Yeah. Well, there's also proof of capacity, proof of assignment, proof of donation. There's lots of ways to create proofs of like what the event that you require has happened or to show proof that the event you require has happened. Um, and and I'm sure that there will be more in the in the future. I'm contradicting myself a little bit by talking about the future when I was just saying like, oh well, you know, it's happening right now. But what oh, the, the I'm actually I'm actually selling NFTs on a on near protocol on a, a platform that's not built on Ethereum. It's built on a proof of stake blockchain. The, and I don't know much about their architecture, but I know from a user experience, it is very smooth and fast and you can tell it's not as congested or as expensive or as energy intensive as ethereum sorry to interrupt 
No, no, you're not interrupting at all. Um, yeah, that it is. I, I basically um, said what I needed to say there. Um, but going back to uh, one thing that was, uh, I think, Autumn, you were saying, you know, in terms of you, you were talking about big names and and you know related to this idea of FOMO in terms of like well I'm a small artist I can't get in on this the access is too expensive all of that um I think a lot of that information comes from a lot of the larger voices that are sort of arguing against all of this you know that some of the larger detracting voices of this um not giving full information you know, so if if people are hearing, well, it's it's Ethereum. You have to, you know, and it, it's like a thousand dollars fee to mint a coin or mint an NFT for your artwork or whatever. It's like, oh my god, this is crazy. And then that leads to these ideas and conversations about elitism and all of that. Um, but if those conversations are leaving out all of what we just said about you know al- alternatives, um, it's not presenting a full picture. So. To add to this idea of FOMO, I would I would say stay away from it. <laughs> as a true believer, as like a fan, almost now, well, I don't want to say a fanatic. Um, I'm excited about blockchain, like very excited about all of the things that it has the poss- the potential to do. But even from that standpoint, I would say to people that are like looking at this and and wondering like, is this something that I want to try and get into? don't just hold off and wait like there isn't to there isn't anything to miss out on it's like wondering if you were going to miss out on buying a car when the model t came out it's like don't even worry about that this is brand new technology and in you know however many years you're going to have probably thousands of different options to choose from and different ways to get into doing this it's like just watch and 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 see it's i don't know that sounds like a a a lame way to end it but (laughs) i have a counter that real quick though yeah uh people that got on instagram at first those people were able to get to ten thousand hundred thousand a million followers before everybody else Mm -hmm. uh and similarly what if the person were to this is they're in their head thinking if i start now i can be the next people but 20 years from now, if I try to get it on, on uh, crypto art, it's going to be much harder to get to be the next people who makes a, a Christie's uh, auction happen and makes, you know, what, $3 million from selling their stuff. And there's a bunch of, I'm going to art. I'm going to say, uh, I don't want to be uh, disparaging other people's art, but it's low quality art on these, uh, on these websites that I, my personal opinion is low quality art that, uh, I would expect to be, you know, run of the mill stuff, you know, someone with like 200 followers on Instagram is, you know, just, you would see commonplace, but it's selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars on these websites right now. And if they don't get in on it now, well, there's still like a lot of art that's lower the, below their skill level, making them a lot of money, then they might not, they might miss the boat. So it's fear of missing out. Plus the whole, uh, financial bubble that's happening right now which uh chris alluded to so if they don't get on the bubble while it's still growing it'll pop and they will miss a chance to make money i have some thoughts on that but i would love to hear from either autumn or chris first um i can speak about my own experience 
what happened with me was in I was invited to Maker's Place years ago. I got very lucky. And I made my profile and I looked around and I thought, oh, this is dead. So I, I just carried back on with my life. I didn't do anything. And then late last year, the whole people thing happened. And I took another look at Maker's Place and I realized there was a lot of activity and a lot of money being moved around. So I put some work up late December and I sold, I got an initial sale and that was it. Like nothing else happened. And it sat there for close to two months. And then in the past couple of weeks, I just suddenly sold everything. I didn't do any marketing. Well, I, I tried at the beginning after my initial sale. I tried to do some, you know, use Twitter a lot and talk about NFTs and do a lot of stuff, but it didn't really move the needle at all. So instead I just got back to working on my blog, doing client work. Um, yeah, and then some, I think some random collector just stumbled upon my stuff and started buying it and then other people noticed and started buying it and it all just evaporated in this past week. Um, I sold that nearly everything suddenly. So what I've been telling people, in my opinion, it would be to just throw a couple of things up, maybe on a, a non-Ethereum platform, like the, the one based on near protocol, there's another one called ghost market that's based on phantasma that's proof of stake it's much cheaper and it's not congested there's no curation just throw some stuff up put links out to your socials because a lot of um collectors what they're looking for is someone is an artist who's shown that they're dedicated to their career so if they stumble across your work and then they go check out your social media and they realize this this is an active artist who is dedicated to building a career there is an increased chance that they would actually purchase with it with speculation on it going up in value. So that's what I'd say. Throw a couple of things up, put it somewhere, put it on the near protocol one or the phantasma one, and then just get back on with it. Get back on with whatever it is you normally do. And if you sell them, fantastic. Maybe there's a career for you. If you don't, then nothing's changed. Yeah, I think too many people are going to be popping into this, expecting it to change their entire life. Like they're going to throw something up on one of these networks and it's just going to be like, boom, hey, I'm a multimillionaire. And that's speculation, right? What Chris said is right. You like even even in the traditional art market, the in the the person that the that the the curator of the gallery is selling to is somebody that they've developed a relationship with that understands that that curator is putting them in front of artwork that is produced by an artist who is dedicated to their career. The same thing. Like if you if you put in the work and you continue to put in the work and uh, you sell that one, then the next one is gonna be worth a little bit more money and the next one is gonna be worth a little bit more money. So you get into these shows that you're doing and you get to you get to up your rate as you're doing the shows, right? By being dedicated to the career. So it's the same thing with the NFT market. You put those out there. The next, the next one that you publish, uh, if the previous one sold, you can sell it for a little bit more money. And then the next one that you publish, it's the same thing. And it's just, it's going to be a slow climb. You're not going to be. It, it, I mean, yes, there's going to be those that they jump into this market, they explode, and it's it's you know it's winning the lottery for them. But um, those are few and far between, you know, people did the work, 
People did 13 years worth of work prior to releasing this and he put shit out there for free. He was, it was all, it was here, take, take this stuff. These are my tutorials. This is the, these are my assets. This is all this stuff. And he, he just put it out there and then decided he was going to do the NFT thing and reaped the benefits of that 13 years worth of work. It wasn't like he came along in an overnight success. Uh, it was, and, and it's the, that's the old Hollywood thing where they came out of nowhere. No, they didn't. They grinded their ass off and lived below their means and, and had like ramen for dinner for 10 years. <laughs> and then they reached that threshold and it rolled over and that hard work paid off. That's an excellent point that, um, I'm so glad that you mentioned and it's this common tendency for people to think about, you know, situations like this as get rich quick schemes or, or whatever, or, you know, or it's easy. Uh, yeah. Like you said, if you see something happen overnight, quote in quote overnight that they somehow like took advantage or like leveraged some exploit in the system. Um, you know, they, they, they broke the simulation somehow and reaped some benefit. But I mean, nine times out of 10, when you, when you look deeper into, you know, somebody that came out of nowhere or, you know, even like a quote, get rich quick scheme, there's more to it usually underneath, you know, there is more work, there is more drive that went into it rather than just like, yes, I'm sure sometimes people are just in the right place at the right time. But even then, if you don't know anything about anything, it's like, well, you can stand in as many places as you want to until the sun explodes and nothing's going to happen for you. So like there has to be some uh, competency at some point, right? Chris, were you going to say something? I was going to, I was just going to agree with autumn really that I think a lot of the people that you see suddenly, it feels like they're suddenly making a lot of money out of nowhere. A lot of them have spent a lot of years building up a kind of a, a digital equity that they've never been able to fully cash in because there's never been a, a good enough mechanism to cash it in. And now there suddenly is. It's not just within artists. There's also, you know, Logan Paul, didn't he do an NFT? And there's a, uh, there's a lot of people doing NFTs, but it's because they've built up this, this kind of equity online that they've never been able to fully translate into sales or money. And now that finally it's able to happen. And so you see, I kind of imagine it as like the money is catching up with them, basically. That's unfortunately yeah. not the case for everybody who like with artists who uh, spend their year, their career, not doing, not making enough money and they suffer. And then they see other, these other people that are suddenly able to uh, coop, recoup that uh, effort into being their new fortune. And they're still eating the cup of ramen as is mentioned in chat. Well, yeah. And, but I mean, that's, that's every, that's been every art movement in, in history. You know, there's plenty of people that were painting in France at the turn of the century that didn't become the impressionists that were well known. It's just that's how it works. Like some people labor in obscurity their entire lives. So that's a sh crappy thing to say, um, but that's their right, right place, right time, right attitude, right work ethic gets you the success.
I want to keep emphasizing this idea, though, of avoiding the scarcity mentality, like the old, the, the, the old, all of the pitfalls that go along with scarcity thinking in terms of like, well, there's only going to be like one opportunity or I see that person got rich. Well, that ship is sailed. Now there's no opportunity for me or this market is congested. I can't get into it. It's become too expensive. It's become the speculators have inflated the market. I can't get in. Uh, the barrier to entry is now close to me. That all of that thinking has to get set aside, I think. Um, and, and I'm not just being rose colored or optimistic. Um, the analogy that you were using earlier, Moose, about Instagram, you know, and how earlier adopt early adopters of Instagram or people that work the system correctly were able to skyrocket to the top. And now everybody is just like struggling tooth and nail to like creep up the fucking I'm sorry. Let me stop the Instagram rant before it gets started. You know what I'm saying. Um, but all, that is all based on that scarcity thinking where Instagram is the only game in town. And that's the only thing that you can. Uh, Instagram is the only authority that you can appeal to, you know, in order to get your stuff seen by millions and millions of people or whatever. I don't know that this scenario of NFTs and blockchain is even capable of the same type of uh, narrowing of focus. It's like by definition, it is uh, has near infinite capacity in terms of what it's you able to. Yeah, go ahead. You say that, but then this is before Google buys everything, right? So before they buy all the uh, NFT market sites, before they buy all the cryptocurrency uh, ownerships, uh, all that stuff yeah, so the, before you know the apple all this before the the multi-millionaires do everything yeah go ahead on it's not going to happen and the I reason know. that it's not going to happen is because the technology itself is a decentralized technology and it's meant to democratize all of this so the the technology is meant to keep an even playing field nobody controls this we control this by participating in it that's blockchain as a whole so you're not going to get these big huge corporations coming in and buying up all of the these marketplaces and if you do there's going to be any number of of successors to that right so what i joby's point what i liken this whole thing to is that first wave of youtube stars People looked at them and were like, oh, those guys are, it's too late to even get in. And that was in 2009. And now you look and the people that started just, you know, four or five years ago are exploded. So there's not any, don't, don't jump in whenever you're going to jump in. If it's affordable, if it's not affordable, then, then do what you can do and participate in the market and continue to do what you do as an artist and you're going to succeed in one way or another if if you start to feel like that marketplace isn't working for you look for another nft marketplace look for an, another nft uh technology uh, or blockchain that is going to do it for you and move you along how you want to be moved along don't jump in and say i'm going to sell this image for a thousand dollars and expect that i'm going to get six hundred thousand dollars down the road from this image being resold um that's kind of a mis mis 
misplaced idea of because of all everything going on that everybody is going to be able to charge that kind of money for this kind of stuff so be reasonable in your expectations and continue to do your work and regardless of when you get in you will probably enjoy some type of success within this yeah it's like what we were saying before you know where you have hot couture and you have macy's and then you have target and you have value village and i I don't you know and that's not to be disparaging to anybody who's like oh well you're just value village art now (laughs) but yeah it's in essence the, the it's more to say that it's it's not a matter of limited numbers of places where you where you will be able to sell your art it's that you have that ability now to sell a piece of artwork in a, that once was sort of disregarded as you know just a a series of ones and zeros and now there's the potential for that artwork to have some um you know, to command the same type of attention and money as a traditional piece of artwork. That's what's interesting about it. Where those things happen is, I don't want to say unimportant or completely immune to the things that you were talking about in terms of Google buying everything up or Amazon buying everything up. But just that that is now possible, that now not and not just visual artists you know i i think about musicians too like what this means for for musicians um and you know just to jump over a lot of between here and there in the long run you don't even need labels anymore like this kind of this whole thing sort of like does away with the need for a music label now um so this is just like the empowerment that it has for the artist um is I think like where the real interesting stuff is not even so much like where the artwork is going to be shown because those things are going to just keep happening and happening and happening. Um, I don't think it's going to be too long before we'll have the functionality like Squarespace will have some sort of extensible functionality to sell NFTs on your own website. Just like how you can do print on demand, you know, you can do Shopify, I think it won't be that long before someone comes up with some sort of app, just plug it into your Squarespace site, sell an NFT, it will mint it onto whatever blockchain, uh, Squarespace's own blockchain, who knows. But um, I don't think it's going to be that long before it happens. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Squarespace's blockchain. This, I, this idea, you know, like an Instagram is, is, is hard to make. Not, you know, like the, the coding by itself is problematic you know that's a that's a barrier to entry for the majority of the population right there but then like all of the marketing and the business and the everything to like make instagram what it is that's what makes instagram hard to repeat but if you have a situation yeah like what you were just saying the squarespace has its own nft etsy has its own nft you know, anywhere that you want to like your, your own website has its own (laughs) NFT. It's just the fact that you are now able to say this is a unique one of a kind thing. And maybe this leads us into the argument about originality, but just as long as you're able to say, this is a unique original thing. Yeah. You don't need Sotheby's. You don't need Christie's. You know, it's like the, it's you're circumventing that whole, if anything, it undercuts the elitism. 
because you, if you can hold that power on your own computer, you don't need anybody else. I think the idea is main, not so much that you know, you're missing out the chance to get the on the one viable market. It's more just that over time, there's going to be more artists or other people entering the market, and then you're lost in the sea of competition. Because right now, you say, like, how many artists are in the, in the world in general? A lot. How many of them are invested in NFTs? Not as many. But if it gets to be like anywhere near close to like half or 100% of all the artists that are involved in this, then it becomes a problem of standing out. How is that problem of standing out more significant than it is in current conditions? Because right now, there are only a very small amount of people that are in, invest uh, uh, able to... There's very few artists that are uh, putting their minting their uh, art in NFTs. So all the people that are right now are doing the speculation stuff, hoping that you know right now this is the low... They have, I have $100,000 to spend. I don't know what I'm going to buy, but I'm going to buy something so that it'll... Uh, go up in value in the future. And if I buy it for $100,000 and somebody in the future will think it's going to be worth more. Let's say those people, that market dries up in, in the sense that uh, they already bought all the money, all the art they're going to buy until it goes up in value and then they'll sell it and they'll buy more. But the idea is right now there's fewer people for them to choose from. So that's where the scarcity is. That's They have fewer options. Right. I under, yeah, I understand. But as the ability to mint NFTs and attach your digital artwork to it expands and becomes more widely available, is it? are you saying that there's going to be less people buying art? I, I don't... It's I mean, being more diluted, right? So as right now there is a, a small pool of artists to choose from. So the investors are all finding those same artists. It's not hard to find who's involved in NFTs right now. You go to this whatever six websites that are six main websites that are doing it. But if there's 100 websites, then it's, you've already missed the, the fear of missing out. People perspective is, I've already missed my chance to be highlighted early on in the process when it was easy to find people. Before it became flooded, to now there's everybody that would ever want to be, do an NFT is able to do an NFT. Sure, and that's and that speaks to this problem of speculation and artificial inflation that I think that we're all in agreement on. But I don't, I don't think that that's the, um, that I, that's this is just sort of like the beginning of the the conversation, and and the bubble is a weird byproduct, right? I think rather than a function of the system itself, right? Well, so once I don't know that it's a weird byproduct. I feel like um, bubbles happen around all sorts of technologies, right? So technology comes in, everybody sees that space expanding, everybody gets in in one way or another, the space gets bigger and bigger until it can't support the weight of everybody piling in with new ideas or new this or new that, and it crumbles. And what's left is the fundamental strong standing um, people that are presenting something that is new, different, and and moves the space forward. So uh, you see it with, with, you saw it with cars, you see it with internet, you see it with blockchain, it, uh, or the original, like prior to the really big crash that happened. And that's just, it's people pile in as it becomes more and more uh, widespread and known. And then 
people are sloughed off. There's attrition, and that attrition gets rid of the people that aren't serious in the space, gets rid of the people that are speculative, gets rid of the people that that had weak hands, quote unquote, uh, and the people that move forward are the people that believe in the technology, continue to do the work. And they're the ones that benefit. Yeah, I mean, if the if the problem is that not everyone is going to get stinking rich, then I don't know, you know, I, and I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth. And so if that's not the like, if, if I'm not accurately representing the the crux of the problem for your argument let me know but i i mean i i don't feel the need to apologize for a system that is going to fail to make everybody rich i'm not in this or you know i'm not like a a proponent of this system or its ability to make people rich i'm a proponent of it as a a a, a means of empowering uh, and giving opportunity or new opportunities to people that uh were not able to sort of like access some of the you know traditional markets of traditional artwork so in the long term even if we addressing something that came up in chat in the long term even if we do end up with a, a sotheby's and a christie's you know representing nfts or or whatever it's like the 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 existence of elite markets doesn't preclude the existence of secondary markets and then also like what you're able to capitalize on once your artwork has left your hands and gone out into the world, that NFT could also initiate transactions over the entire lifetime of that piece of artwork or that file, the entire lifetime of its existence will create revenue for you. So we're not even we're not talking about like, well, I got rich this month. We're talking about over the course of your lifetime, your kids' lifetimes, their their kids' kids, like as as long as the network is in place for an NFT to travel along, it has the capacity to create uh revenue for you know original holdings. Sorry, I, I sound kind just, of preachy. Not just that network, it's multiple networks because now there's bridge coins that that confirm yeah. other data sets on other blockchains. That's that's a huge thing. In fact, Engine, A-E-J-I-N, is now building a bridge between Polkadot and Ethereum and all these different subchains. And so you're getting all this data being moved around and reconfirmed. So if if Ethereum goes down or whatever, uh, you have a new chain where you can house that information where it can still be reconfirmed through a secondary technology. So it's, it's a net positive. And beyond that, there's the, the whole, uh, uh, like banking the unbanked, right? That's, that was a huge thing within the crypto space. Getting the people that don't have access to money, access to money in an easy to use form, right? So I pick up my phone and I send Chris 20 bucks, uh, super easy to do, super easy to do. All you need is a phone. So third world people can start having money, can start having banks, can start having that sort of thing. Now, all of a sudden, that money is more than just money. It's confirmations of transactions on networks, and it is a, a 
something that that can be transferred to one another that is a digital art form and and it's basically democratizing artwork and the 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 benefit of that for everybody so somebody that lives in in a teeny tiny town in malaysia that only has electricity for for like three hours a day and and works really hard to do digital artwork on their on their laptop an amazing artist and and all that stuff can benefit from that so it's it's not these big people that i'm worried about and the fomo and all that i'm i think it's amazing that everybody's going to be able to do this and 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 benefit everybody not just us in the first world or developed countries or you know any of that stuff it goes well beyond all of that and that that speaks to the uh the promise of blockchain itself right i mean that's because that's again a distinction between the monetary aspect of things which yes does have significant impact uh, or the potential to be to have significant impact but this idea of blockchain in general and this distributed network um and all of the other things that can come from it like uh, smart contracts are a great one and that's sort of like one of the pieces that lends to nfts being a continuing source of revenue throughout the entire course of its lifetime and it also offers new ways for like consumers and producers to protect themselves you know like you can set up a system where um i agree to a certain set of obligations as the seller and if i ever fail to meet one of those you as the buyer possess the ability to negate the transaction and then there could be some kind of um you know effect that would result from that that we would both agree to it that would be different in 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 any given scenario but all of those kinds of things that like i whenever possible i always like to almost try and steal steer the conversation away from money not because i want to like hand wave it away like all oh, the money's not important there's just so much else that comes along with this that it's just like let's i i keep having to bring that up so that anybody that listens to this won't be sort of like you know fooled by articles like the one that we started this conversation talking about where they're just creating this monolithic structure here is the problem and it's because of all of these reasons but then fails to address like all of the other things under underlying um sorry i was ranting does anybody else have anything to follow up that conversation with or should we go to this question go ahead speaking about fomo and the the smart contracts royalties built into smart contracts um a lot of these platforms if people don't know they have a contract that governs when an nft is resold they have a royalty built in that goes to the original creator uh, normally like 10 percent, i think on a lot of these places so even if even if you were to get in and make a sale in which you'd lost money like the, the cost of minting the art you put you paid more for the transaction than you did from the actual sale than the profit you got from the sale even if you were to go ahead and do that there is potentially huge upside in the future if you make those sales you, you lost money say you sold them for ten dollars or something and that, that's not a profit deal at the moment 
if you then go and continue to work on your career, that will be reflected in the future value of those NFTs. And you will, as long as you've made sure that your smart contract has royalties built into it, you will see that value in the future when it is inevitably resold. Um, as long as it's resold within your lifetime, I guess. So just because you aren't making, that's, the, that's one of the beautiful things about it is just because you aren't making huge sales now and you don't think you'd be able to, there is this, this, this built into it, this kind of safeguarding. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's, what would you call it? It's, it's justice. Is how, is how I see it. Justice is built into it for the artist. There's something similar to this with uh, The Witcher, if you're familiar with the story. In uh, European uh, copyright law, if the sale of copyright turns out to be disproportionately favorable for one person, for one party, they can sue to get uh, a pr approximately equal compensation out of the deal. So with The Witcher, the original, the artist of the uh, books uh, sold the rights to CG Project Red so they could make their games for, I don't know, not very much money. And then later, CG Project Red started making tons of money. So the guys took them back, took them to court and was able to get a fair compensation for it. This is sort of similar to that in that retroactively, it turns out that you didn't get a good deal, but later down the line, you start getting the proceeds from your success. There's a couple of points being brought up in chat that um, could be worth touching on. Um, earlier, Sam Gushu said, digital only shuts a lot of people out. You see this a lot with the rise of cashless businesses in cities. Um, I'd be interested to hear if you guys had any thoughts on that. I would just want to start off that conversation by reiterating um, this idea of one system versus a plurality of systems. If you if you only have one system and that system changes, then everybody else that isn't able to adapt to that system or to that change is going to be shut out. If you have a plurality of systems, then one of those can change and all of the other systems can pick up the slack for the people that are shut out of the change of one. Or the people that get shut out are able to establish new systems themselves and again as this technology becomes more and more ubiquitous and we have things like what chris said squarespace uh having their own minting function you know or a minting function in itself just becoming like any other app that you have on your phone it's hard for me to see like how people would get shut out do you guys have any thoughts on that idea um the only thing I'd say is that traditional art, if you're thinking that you need to be a digital artist to enjoy this, it's some of the leading crypto artists are actually traditional artists. They're oil painters and acrylic. And so. How? Well, they just scan in their work and then they mint it. Why is that? Like I, like I had said earlier, uh, it, an NFT is a confirmation of any 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 type of object it's not just a digital file That's it is point. it's it, if they want to if they want to put it out there and be like this jpeg here this is the original this is what you're purchasing but it really represents this physical object over here 
right? Then that's what it is. So I can I can do a painting, I can do a painting like that there and take a picture of it on my phone, post it up to an NFT market and say, what you're paying for is this actual painting. When you purchase it, you're going to contact me and I'm going to send it to you. Could you double dip and say, uh, here's NFT, you get the original painting and then you actually send, sell the uh, original actual painting to somebody else? Well, these no, are all... I think that's going to reflect poorly on you as an artist and you're going to ruin your career. Because as soon as you do that, somebody's going to go out there and shout, hey, that's not, he never sent me the original and you're going to get canceled. Well, you got the, uh, you got the original JPEG, but you don't get the original painting. The so contract itself states what's in the NFT. So in the NFT, I say, uh, um, in the description, it's, you know, 45 centimeter by 30, 30 centimeter painting and in oil to be released upon payment of contract nft token right so as but, soon as they pay it then it's released i send it to them that's if you choose to go that route though you can choose to say hey i'm going to sell you both this token and this painting versus i'm just going to sell you this token and that does not give you access to the actual physical painting that would be like printing off doing a limited edition run of prints and then another limited edition run of prints and selling them separately that's going to your market is going to despise that move and it's going to be reflected in your income i would expect yeah but yeah this is, this is how would, if you if you though. don't fulfill it then you're going to be marked as somebody that doesn't fulfill their contracts your future work isn't going to be sold they're not going to resell your artwork it's just it's just bad business practices so yes you could do that there's nothing stopping you from doing that other than hey you're an asshole I'm just seeing like, you know, the token can be linked to a digital file and that digital file wasn't actually the original file. It's, it's a output of the original file because the original file was a Photoshop file or whatever it was. Right. So it's the output. And you're just saying in spirit, this token is re related to this art piece of art. So when you do a, a photograph or scan or whatever you want to call it of a piece of original art, now you've created the output and you are selling that output as linked to a token. And then you have an original piece of, uh, uh, physical art that you can send sell as the original physical art. So you can sell the original physical art and you can sell the original digital art. And now you have basically a limited edition of two instead of a limited edition of one. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I've been looking for a way to do this for a number of years. I started, um, my agent and I started talking about this in 2009, a way to make digital art a unique item. And we went through a number of iterations, um, you know, like, hey, maybe we'll, maybe we burn it to a CD and validate that we deleted the file somehow. And like all of these different things on ways to do that and then have the painting and then have a digital original and do exactly what you just said, having both of them up for sale and different markets as originals, but letting everybody know, yes, there's a digital original and then there's a, a an actual physical painting and looking for a way to do that since all the way back then. So I don't see any reason why you couldn't do that if you wanted to. I, I'm, I also don't know like why, how that necessarily 
precludes the consideration of that digital piece as an original of one. Like the fact that that a, that a file exists on your computer, it, that that isn't a like that's not that's no there's no manifestation of anything there. That's it's all that's held in suspended animation. It's a swirling mass of ones and zeros. It becomes something. It might as well be an idea in your head, you know, or any other number of parallels that we could draw. It, it only becomes something when you like print it or you you actually you you initiate the coherence of those ones and zeros into a vis into a visible structure so it's i don't know that we're necessarily missing out on anything just because there's a, a digital file existing somewhere um to okay i see you i see you shifting your eyeballs around so i want to hear what you have to say to that but to take it one step further just to account for that this nature of a smart contract could be built into all of this so that if any uh, misuse or you know funny business down the line is proven, then a smart contract can be used to collapse the transaction, and then you know the whatever agreement was put in place before the original sale, um, you know, is then pushed through, and the buyer is able to be compensated for whatever wrongdoing was you know what uh, uh, was done on the part of the seller. But <laughs> I'm interested to hear what you were shifting your eyes for, though. It's like what your oh, hesitation was. The, the whole idea of uh, the ones and zeros, because that's all uh, the NFT market is basically a collective uh, make believe that these tokens are associated with these arts, because in the metadata it says it is. So if you believe that the token represents more than ones and zeros in the, the association, then sure, it does. But it it really is just a collective. How is that different than your bank account? You're, you just believe that the collection of ones and zeros means that you can buy bread. That's, that's all that it is. I'm not sure how to respond to that other than I can take the money out of my bank account. And it's, yeah, it is collective make-believe, but it's also not linked to an image. And that image is, so my bank account isn't freely distributed across the internet, so I'm not sure what we're going for here. Well, that's kind of oh, my but point. But you, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't take money out of the painting that you have on your wall, and it's the same thing. My brain hurts. <laughs> well, you okay? Well, you said that you can take money out of your account. I mean, yes, but if we, I, I, I know you're going to roll your eyes at this too, but like, you, you're not, you're not taking. You're not taking any like substantive thing out of your bank. You're taking a piece of paper that is just a representation of the ledger that you're deducting from. That's oh, we're it, gonna get into the gold standard now. No, 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 no. Gold standard. I, <laughs> don't do that, dude. I, it's still just within this realm of make believe is the point that I'm trying to make. Like it, it, and it's the agreement between you and autumn when you give autumn the dollar bill autumn agrees that this dollar bill represents a certain amount of work that you put in to receive it but it's just an agreement it's an agreement over something that is completely hypothetical yeah but in the sense like the dollar can actually be freely it's ubiquitous right everybody agrees that a dollar is worth a dollar and that you can go on these websites and they'll have currency converters and stuff like that so but with nfts 
it's only this very small market that believes that this NFT is is linked in spirit to this uh, this image. The key word that you just used is ubiquitous. So the it, the the mass adoption and the mass agreement, and of... it'll be fully it'll be ubiquitous after I die. <laughs> Fair, possibly. I mean that that's that's the question though. Um, how much value do we assign to art over time? Right. So, if we take the technology out of it, how much value do we ascribe to to uh, a piece by by uh, Mucha or Leonardo or anything after their death? Um, and where is that value stored? It's stored in the piece. Um, where's the value stored when it comes to the to the the uh, an NFT? It's stored on the NFT in a ledger stating that this is how much was paid and that continues uh, in perpetuity along that chain. You can always go back and look at the original transaction and see, well, it started here and it was paid more and then it was paid more and then it was paid more and oh, they had a dip and then because somebody needed to sell it really quickly, right? So uh, yes, there's a, a, there's a, there's a bit of investment in, in in this this whole thing the, the, that investment mentality of looking at it like a, a commodity but um art has always been a commodity in one form or another it's um there's there's always been somebody that's speculatively investing in an artist um going all the way back at, at a certain point it was the church and then it was the bougie upper class and then it became a more of a middle-class thing. And now it's democratized. So it's every man because every man has a phone and every man has access, sorry, person, every person has an access to, to this blockchain because of the pervasiveness of the technology. Anyone can get onto Bitcoin or Ethereum. Anyone, you have a phone, you're good, you can do it. So anybody has access to purchase your art, invest in you as an artist. That's that. The response to that will be that the fees create a barrier of entry. Um, and if you have a response to that, you're welcome to. I would just again reiterate, as I already have a dozen times in this conversation, that um, that barrier to entry will go away when the avail the multiplicity the multiple places where you can access this technology increases once it's an app on your phone and everybody in the world has a phone which is probably going to happen not too far away it's a whole other argument in itself um but, but to yeah. answer your point directly i think chris covered it with his uh alternative uh coin uh, dealerships right the the entities yeah. that are based on other coins yeah, I'm, I've minted on Near Protocol, and um, which is called Paras.id, P-A-R-A-S.id. And I think it cost me around $0.04 cents to mint there. So, And it will be $0.04 cents for a very, very long time because it's, uh, an ex they've, it's built, purpose-built for this. They purpose-built it to have low fees. So it's already going away. Um, Liad in the chat had a comment about this idea of originality. Um, he said, here's the big difference. 
If I own an original piece of art and the artist shows it online and in a book and makes prints, does it feel different if it's an NFT or an oil painting? In my mind, it does. You guys have any comment on that? It's a pretty big concept, right? Well, I think it, it's just purely down to um, familiarity. I think that's all I think it is. I just think it's familiarity. Uh, traditional art has been around for uh, who knows how long, whereas digital art, how old is that? 30 years old? Well, no, probably more like 50, isn't it? Maybe a bit older. So I think it just comes down to familiarity, in my opinion. And that will go away. Obviously, we'll just get used to it. And then I don't think there'll be much of a barrier there between the two, personally. Yeah, I feel like the, we're at a transition point. We're kind of at a crux where we are, we've run into this new technology that is, that is shifting um, old paradigms. And this new technology, we have yet to roll over to the point where everybody is going to be familiar with it and using it blockchain as a whole um but it is a monetary computational wave of the future and yes we're going to run into a lot of difficulties along the way and those of us that worked in, within the old systems are going to hold on to those old systems because like chris said familiarity we're, we're used to those but those that are born into them it's not even going to be a thing right so they're they're gonna pick up their phone and 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 they're they're gonna look on their whatever social media is at that point and they're gonna see their friend has has published an NFT and they want to be the first to grab it. So they they buy it from their friend for fifty cents or whatever, and you know that's that's just gonna be the way things work. So Liad mentioned like uh, holding an original doesn't compare to holding a print. So my thought is all right you're holding two tablets. One of them has the image that is associated with NFT. The other one has an image that is not associated with NFT. Which one's the real one? You know, that sort of thing. But whereas if you're holding a, a canvas print next to uh, the actual original print painted on canvas, which is original, you can tell the original is painted on canvas. That's like holding like a limited edition shoe with a, with a Chinese fake. It's like they look exactly the same, but one of them's one of them is agreed to be the original. And there's some, there's probably some evidence there. The, the the experts will know how to tell those two shoes apart. And what the difference is, anyone can tell the two apart now with the blockchain and with a, an NFT that's minted. You can it's right there for everyone to see. There's a there's a public ledger. But if you're just looking at the uh, the tablet, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, but that's the same with any print. I mean, any. I could if you make a copy. Uh, an illegal copy of a of a print. You're in that. You're gonna. But we're talking about the, same boat. the originals. Not we're talking about not talking about prints. We're talking about the originals. Yeah, but I mean, counterfeits. That's counterfeits as counterfeits. In this case, you can't counterfeit because there's a certification of the original, right? So, again, it's the the value is Described to it by the artist and agreed upon by the blockchain and the person purchasing it. But so it's more different. Yeah, visually kind of they right? may be the same thing, but they are not. A a 
a copy of the Mona Lisa painted later on is not the Mona Lisa. That's the Mona Lisa over there because there is a paper trail that leads up to where it is now. And this is where I point out again, as I think I did in a previous podcast, that there's some suspicion that the Mona Lisa hanging up is actually a, a, a copy. Which I think is actually a a point on the side for <laughs> NFTs um, and blockchain distribution than a mark on the side for you know counterfeits and reproductions. Um, Liad in the chat responded that counterfeits are very hard to do, and I think that there's something in that, which is to say that yeah, yeah, a, a counterfeit is hard to do, but counterfeit, like Autumn just said, counterfeit is counterfeit, and regardless of the ease with which you can do it, like that, like how easy it is to make a counterfeit, I don't think is necessarily an description to or, or, or a description of the value. Of the original or or the lack thereof i do want to just jump in real quick there's a funny meme that's associated with this and it's a, a picture of a cop card and it has the really edgy text of you wouldn't screenshot an nft <laughs> you wouldn't download a car um there's a i think another side to this though that also gets overlooked sometimes which is the means with which people are going to be viewing this art and we're thinking in terms of like a lot of these like old school conceptions of prints and oil paintings hanging on walls and shit and i'm thinking about vr and ar and how those two technologies are going to change the world and what that might mean for artists in their ability to show work and how work gets shown is there maybe a place in there for artwork to become like an oil painting hanging in a gallery that you go see or you hold in your hands when everybody you know when we reach the day that everybody's wearing contact lenses that creates this shared augmented reality environment and there's these crazy pieces of artwork that are being done i that that seems like a now we're in a different type of place than just making prints, you know? I saw um, on Twitter, not that long ago, a couple of months ago, someone who bought a Beeple had built himself a, an augmented reality room inside his living room. And he filmed himself entering it. And you couldn't see it from one angle. And then he just sort of turned the corner and you could spot the this portal into this other non-existent room and as he stepped into it and the artwork was having hanging there and the walls were sort of throbbing like purple it was um it was it, it was incredible it, the, the the excitement that it brought out was like i think once people experience that they'll just it's going to be addictive i think so there's a there's already somewhere like that. It's called Decentraland, and um, they basically it's it's a, a, a uh, like uh, what was the game Second Life? It's like Second Life, but it's on the blockchain. So uh, you and there's actual like physical money being exchanged. Physical meaning out of their bank account ones and zeros is being exchanged for. Uh, land in Decentraland, and then on that land you can build whatever you want, 
and then people can come in and see your NFT collection within your house in Decentraland. So it's the beginnings of Ready Player One, right? But it's on the blockchain and you have your little home, you have your real estate that, that you can charge people to go to or charge people to view your collection or anything like that. It's definitely moving in that direction of being something that is um, all pervasive and um, a, a form of expression in your choices for what you're buying as NFTs, which I find very interesting. And also another on a, on a side note, um, apparently uh, Decentraland real estate is a hot commodity. So get in on it. FOMO, what? Um, There's yeah, some man. Decentraland uh, currency as well, some like cryptocurrency. So I've invested a little bit in Decentraland as well. Yeah, and it's called Mana. Also, um, yeah, Mana, yeah. Uh, there's also crypto voxels, which is very similar to Decentraland. There's been quite a few gallery showings there as well and there's a third one that i've forgotten the name of it's known as the metaverse all of these different um vr places so yeah metaverse if you google that it will come up with all kinds of crazy stuff the only uh thing i want to bring up real quick is uh so i have some friends that are in the uh, vr uh business and they've mentioned that they have shifted their focus from being a customer uh, uh, you know a public facing organization like they're tr not trying to make uh everybody in the united states adopt vr anymore because they found that even if the technology is there and it's relatively inexpensive people aren't buying it so instead they're going after corporations so it may not be a widely adopted virtual reality hangout as uh as it is just most people just buying the nfts as either speculation or just uh digital measuring contests, let's say. Uh, I'm typing to <laughs> Shane while you guys are talking, but I should probably just like address because he has like a good objection. Um, he was addressing a comment that um, Autumn had made that he could lose his hard drive in a, uh, in a crash or forget his password or someone could yoink his token and the security of any digital token is only as secure as people make it. Um, well, since that was directed to you, Autumn, did you want to reply to that? Yeah. Um, the, the weak parts of the blockchain technology is in the people interacting with it and the onboarding and offboarding of, of regular fiat money. So, Shane, where you're seeing um, these attacks happen are on the centralized exchanges, right? For the most part, anyway, the centralized exchanges that aren't attached to that cryptographically secured network. So it's the, the junction points where that's happening. And then it's also happening when people lose their passwords. I had a scare where I was. <laughs> Thank God for Google Drive backups. Um, where I almost lost access to everything. And that is the human in the equation. That, so yes, those, there is certainly the ability to lose access to your NFTs if you do not properly 
secure your keys, know your backups, and have all of your your passphrases and everything in place. Um, the same can be said for any type of banking, monetary, um, anything that we do that has value. You are you are responsible to take care of that stuff for yourself. Um, in the case of banks, we have banks that help watch out for us, right? So they're holding our money to 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 keep track of it, and they're insured, so we know that that it's 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 better secured. Um, but with this technology, you're the one that's responsible for it across the board. And if you lose anything of your keys or anything like that, then you you've lost that that asset, be it uh, a currency or an NFT or anything along those lines. Um, but that's that's the negative side of the positive of being able to have full control over these things, taking control away from a larger system and putting it into the hands of every person. Yeah, that's decentralization. That's the that's the other side of the coin. Yeah. Oh, there I see some, there. <laughs> there was a case recently of um, someone impersonating a MetaMask. MetaMask is it's a wallet where you people store a lot of their cryptocurrency. So there was a case recently of someone impersonating the MetaMask site and they used Google ads to put themselves right at the top of the search for MetaMask. And a lot of people ended up typing their seed phrases in order to access their MetaMask wallets into this. And I think something like $200,000 within 24 hours was siphoned away to a fake site. So it's definitely, it's your responsibility basically to look after your cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's very doggy dog in that one. Well, we've been at this for quite a while. Uh, the two hour mark is not that far away. Um, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you guys would like to? I, I mean, there's like a thousand things <laughs> that I would love to continue talking about. But do you guys, is there anything that you guys can think of that uh, we haven't covered that might be worth mentioning? If nobody else, uh, I was had a question of if somebody was to jump in and they wanted to get the attention of a uh, well-to-do philanthropist who had $100,000 burning in their pocket and they saw that, you know, Beeple was buying, st uh, was selling stuff for that amount. And, uh, you know, he wanted to get in, he, he wanted to get in early, he or she. Um, how would an artist go about getting their attention in a positive way to make as much money as possible while this bubble is still going and they didn't want to uh, deal with the fear of missing out later? Anybody? Chris or Autumn, know. you guys might be better suited to addressing that. I don't know how to. The problem is recently, a lot of these platforms don't have a good discovery mechanism built into the platform. So you put your work up, it'll appear on the newly minted sort of list, and then it disappears. So if you didn't sell straight away, there's no other, the platforms don't really provide any other way of getting you attention. So then it's all on you. And the problem is that Twitter, the Twitter crypto art community has become very, um, anyone who, who expresses interest in purchasing some NFTs gets swamped, absolutely bombarded 
with new artists trying to sell their first piece. So I honestly, I don't think there is currently a very good solution. Twitter is where most of the action has been happening. And now it's become, because of the sudden influx of new artists, it's become a little bit, um, it's not working as well as it once did, I guess. And the platforms themselves haven't really found a way around that either. So I don't, I don't currently have a good solution. Um, my intuition tells me to treat it the same way that you treat any other bubble. Don't buy a house in the middle of a housing bubble. Don't buy stocks in the middle of, uh, you know, a crazy market bubble. <laughs> That's a real term, right? Market bubble. Um, yeah, like if you're if you if you're in the middle of some crazy mad dash, uh, don't try and step into it because yeah, that's probably a good way to get swept off the cliff. Well, I agree with that. I recently read an article um, about uh, investing on on expensive days versus investing on dips, and um, they found that the actual investing during the expensive days outperformed the investing during dips because you were waiting for a dip. So I think that is something to be said for getting out there and just doing it, doing it whenever it happens and um, damning the consequences, so on and so forth, to just be in the market and be doing what you do in a positive way, uh, posting your information up on different social medias and that sort of thing because ultimately uh, like chris said there's no discoverability it's much like twitch like nobody's going to just happen across your stuff um and start watching your and not loosely nobody right it's just there's no way for people to browse this content in a way that is going to get you eyes on it um other than having an exterior um network of people that are being pushed towards your uh, NFTs. So uh, put them up on Facebook, put them up on, I, I know that sounds weird, but put them up on Facebook, put them up anywhere that people can get some visibility and start to learn about it so that they can support you. And then you can move even further along and even further along and, you know, start a blog. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Vern, uh, Vern made a comment uh, that I think is uh, worth addressing. Um, you're saying NFTs came up in discussion with friends today, um, and in parentheses, as a get-rich-quick scheme. He said that he talked his friend down, otherwise he was going to scan his child's drawings and post them to Nifty. So there's a couple of things in there. Um, one, to the, to the first part of that comment, as a get-rich-quick get scheme, I, stop thinking about this as a anything as in like a singular like anything if people are using it to get rich that's a that a, that's not a function of the thing in itself it's not a system to set up people getting rich people are using it in order to create these schemes in themselves that's something totally I think that different. sounds like the negative artist mi mindset the one that says the artist cannot make money so let's don't let's not use this to make money no that's not what i'm saying that's what, if if someone is saying that it's a get rich quick scheme as in nfts are a get rich quick scheme you've now defined what nfts are as a get rich quick scheme full stop but th that's like it's it nfts are being used in get rich quick 
schemes is a different sentence and one that is more accurate. Um, and to the idea of this guy scanning his kids' drawings and then posting them on an NFT market, that is worth commenting on because people are getting crazy ideas. I was hearing about somebody that was like, they were taking like clip art or something and <laughs> minting them with an NFT and then trying to sell it as like this like unique piece of like graphic design work or something. There is some crazy shit going on. And like if if you if you're so hung up on this like FOMO or you're getting swept up in this madness and you're just going to reach out for fucking anything to like try and mint, stop like slow down, take a take a breath. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> it's kind of how this and works. I, I feel like, you know, <laughs> um, to your point earlier, Moose, you had said, you know, there's some shitty artists out there producing some shitty work that are selling them for a lot of money. Um, I put it nicer than that. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm definitely paraphrasing. But uh, there is what I would call subpar artwork being put out and purchased and speculated on and that is that's gonna happen until it all starts to come out in the wash and it normalizes and the people that are doing outstanding work start to rise to the top and the people that are just putting out clip art with a bitcoin on it kind of fall away right and they're not selling anymore because nobody wants that it was part of the initial wave of whatever so now if you're not producing something of quality, you're not going to get the you're not going to get the the sales and you're not going to get the continued sales and you're not going to get the people that believe in what you're doing. It's just it's part of being such a new thing. Yeah, I'm just looking at like the top 5 of a uh, cryptoart.io artist listing, right? I've sorted by how much they've made and I, I don't know like 5 or 6 down, it starts going to this really weird place where it's a cartoon naked girl with overly uh um, busy tattoos or something and it just looks ridiculous and it, you see the price tags associated with these and it's not like it's oh it was a few thousand dollars sale it was a hundred thousand dollars sale it was four hundred thousand dollars sale uh was it an actual sale are you yeah. looking at the sales or are you looking at what people are charging it, i believe it was the uh community uh the most recent sale for that exchange so there's a sale history and the most recent one was for 400,000 or something like that. that cool. I know that I know the artist you're talking about. I also know that that website actually uses the current value of Ethereum, not the value of Ethereum at the sale. So it might be inflating the numbers there. But gotcha. I think I think people are going to get collectors. Some collectors are really going to get burned when they realize when the market realizes that these artists are no good. And they're not dedicated to art. They're just dedicated to making some money during this NFT bubble. And as soon as the bubble looks like it's stopped going up, they'll be out. They've, the value of their work is going to crash. Those collectors are going to get burned. I think that's going to definitely happen. Yeah, I, uh, that's just how it's going to be, I think. There's one last topic I want to talk uh, touch on really quickly. We touched on it briefly where we uh, said you could attach a token to a piece of physical art like a t uh, an oil painting and that has value because of the smart contract that's associated with it with the commissions that go on ongoing after that are there specific websites that are better suited for selling original traditional paintings 
or is it every all these marketplaces are equally viable? I, th I don't think there's one that's particularly suited to it. No, um, I've seen traditional work sell on plenty of them of all different some. Yeah, I've seen them sell on plenty of them. I wouldn't be able to pick out particular markets for it. Does it matter? Sorry, final, final question, because I know this is a question I wanted to hit earlier, and I only remembered it because after you start talking. Does it matter what the uh, art is, as long as it's of high quality? Like I know a lot of uh, artists in our field have had a hard time selling. Uh, so they sell, they do commission work for people's D&D &D characters, and people don't buy prints of that stuff. But is it worth trying to sell an NFT of one? Uh, well, I think a lot of collectors are going to look at the artwork. Um, the purpose behind you creating the art and the direction, the trajectory of your career and how meaningful that art is in your whole career. So something like a D&D character may be worth minting. You might sell it. But I would say that the projected increase in value of something that you did is, I think collectors are going to look at it and recognize that it's a D&D character that you did on commission. And so it may not increase in value over time as your career develops within crypto art. But Matt, if you mint and you get a sale, congrats, you know. I look at it like, um, like convention sketches or, or selling originals at a convention or um, something along those lines. So this is basically just giving you access to access to a marketplace that is always on where you can sell things like that rather than doing a, you know, two or three times a year, different conventions and selling your originals. So personally, I don't see any difference between putting up a, a, a commission piece as an original and saying, this is the original of this D and D character and I'm selling it for $350. You can take it or leave it. That's you know, th as far as the uh, trajectory of a, of a career. If you look at any of these people that have been doing art for years and years that, that do the convention circuit, they're selling their originals. They're selling their pages when they do comic books. They're selling their illustrations when they do stuff for Magic the Gathering. Those things are out there and you can purchase them and have them. So there's no difference between doing the digital version of that and doing a traditional version of that. Yeah, maybe the fact that it's a commission doesn't matter because you brought up that at conventions, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe. Good point. Yeah, I mean, some of my, my best years at conventions were when I was offering, uh, uh, traditional works just in a, in a big portfolio, you know, and they were, those were things that I did like at the drink and draw social club uh, on a Thursday night, having beers with my friends on chipboard. And, you know, they're, they're kind of the, the, the fun ones where, you know, yeah, I can sell that for 150 bucks. Here you go. Well, if we can start wrapping it up, I want to say thank you guys so much for the time. I, I, if this continues to be a big topic of conversation in the fucking mystical universe of the internet, um, it would be worth doing one of these again. 
maybe we, if we could, it would be great if we could find somebody and I would put this invitation out the chat as well. Like if we could find somebody to, you know, be the dissenting opinion, not so that, you know, we can like dogpile on them, but to actually like to have, cause it, you know, we've got like, you know, three and a half people that are all like hardcore, you know, uh, believers M moose is on the fence maybe <laughs> so i'm only half a person because i have no soul <laughs> I, I would say that i'm three quarters because there's a quarter of me that's like this bubble sucks and the and the gatekeeping on these communities suck yeah. and i wish this was just openly available for everybody in a in a meaningful way right that, so yeah. there's i see the i see the the cons and i acknowledge them but at the same time i believe in the technology so i want to move it forward right yeah that's totally fair i just ride on this high of potentiality you know like i'm I, it's not so much that i'm just blindly optimistic it's just like i i can't help but like if i'm blinded by anything it's just like what i see as the possibility um so and that's all to say, like it would be it would be great to have somebody on that would be down to actually have like a good natured debate about this. But um, if we can wrap it up, should we do the do the final question? Uh, NFTs, uh, you can't you can't say NFTs. But Autumn, let's start with you. What's one thing in the world that's happening that you're excited about? Um, one thing that I am excited about in the world today. Um, honestly the potential for getting back to where we were prior to uh this past year that happened the lost year we're we're moving in positive directions i think all around and that is very exciting to me moose you were as much a guest on this show as anybody so what's yours uh my boss told me that i'm allowed to work from home for the rest of my life so i don't ever have to go back into the office so i'll be saving up more than a thousand dollars a year just from not traveling not having to park on campus it'd be great really offsetting the carbon footprint of uh blockchain uh, cryptocurrencies yeah uh that <laughs> 20 miles a day is really uh adds up chris how about you moose you should um listen to the four hour work week because now you have an opportunity to delegate everything outsource it to india and uh work four hours a week that's that's a little bit more unethical i think um i'm excited about a game called valheim because um i've been letting myself relax this week and i've been playing valheim and it's really quite fun uh it reminds me of if anyone's played if anyone used to mod the hell out of skyrim there was a mod that let you i can't remember what it was called but it'll let you sort of like play it on survival mode where you have to hunt and build little shelters and keep yourself warm. Yeah, Valheim reminds me of that and it's it's highly recommended. It's co-op, right? I think so, yeah, but I just play it so It can be, yeah. Well, I'm excited about the uh, the rumors of a, of a Harry Potter show It's <laughs> going to be happening. Um, it's It's... it's causing some as as much disgruntlement as nfts is it seems like um so i'm like as a as a five percent troll i'm as excited about all the people that are getting upset about it as i am to actually watch it it's like you can't lose even if it's terrible it's like yeah this is a win that's like super cynical and i'm sorry but i i, I had to be honest I don't know. that's me anyway you guys 
thank you so 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 much this was been freaking awesome i hope that we contributed something to the knowledge base and the discussion about nfts and i don't know i don't think we quite did the environmental thing enough that's why i said that it would be great to have somebody else on to actually be the you know that the, the negative angry voice but um until then i'm gonna wave goodbye and say thank you again you guys